Did Russian cosmonauts see angels flying in space? The truth may shake up the paranormal community forever. And then we travel to New York City to take a look at a bizarre crime spree that happened in the 1930s. Who is 3X and what is the Red Diamond of Russia? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Caleb. Caleb, thank you so much for supporting the show. That really, really helps out a lot. You are awesome. Really, really appreciate it. Everyone, all the other Patreons are like, you never called me awesome. You're all awesome. Caleb's awesome, but all of you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Still sending out those Dead Rabbit Radio stickers. I'm going to be revealing the design soon. You guys are going to be like, oh, I got to support Patreon because these stickers are dope. These stickers are dope. Caleb. But Caleb, we are actually going to take a new vehicle. I don't think we've used this before. I think I've just made it up now. We're going to do a slow motion walk. We're in our spacesuits, and there's like NASA voices. You know NASA voices. They're like, 10, 9, because you know normal people don't count only NASA people we're in the rabbit rocket <sighs> we're like uh, it's like g-forces and stuff we're leaving behind the earth's atmosphere uh, we're blasting off into space we're gonna go to a russian space station known as salute seven <sighs> dead rabbit rocket don't You don't want a vehicle that has the word dead in it. I just realized that the rabbit rocket, though, it breaks away of the coil of the planet Earth. Planet Earth is shaking its fist at us. I'll get you one of these days. I'll get you on re-entry. We're like gold. We're floating around space. We're back in the year 1985. And Soviet space station Salute 7, it's in low orbit, low Earth orbit. Now, up there, there's six cosmonauts just chilling, running scientific experiments, doing wedgies on each other. I do that'd be actually so funny now that I thought about that. You should have a movie where there's a bully on a space station. So you have like this guy who's so muscular, his suit, <laughs> you know how the suits, spacesuits are all baggy, his muscles are bulging out of his spacesuit. He's just beating up nerds. James Wan, make that happen. I know you listen to this podcast. I know you do. If I was when if I was an astronaut, I'd totally be a bully. <laughs> Ruining all their experiments. They're like, what? I didn't know that space mold had mustaches. I'm going to draw on it with a Sharpie. There's a reason why I'm not a scientist. So anyways, but now we are. We're, we're docking with this Salute space station. There's six cosmonauts up there. One of them is Oleg Atkov, just floating around. And then they see like this orange gas floating outside of the space station. At first, they think they're all going to die. What's going on out here? <laughs> we shouldn't be seeing orange mist outside the space station. But then suddenly... The mist forms into shapes. Each shape was about 80 feet long. These massive shapes. They end up seeing seven angels. Hold on. Don't don't shut the podcast off yet. Caleb's trying to hotwire the rocket to get out of here. He's like, this story's lame. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) I know it's completely unbelievable, but let's just keep going with it. And actually, I'm sure a lot of you guys are like, oh, Jason's covering this. This I've seen this story on Ancient Aliens. This is a real popular story. That's weird. He normally does weirder, more obscure stuff. Hold on, guys. Do not panic. <laughs> Do not panic in the space station. There's a reason why I'm doing this story. So anyways, as lame as it sounds, these angels are floating in space. 
And the Russian cosmonauts were like, <gasps> they reported back to Earth. They called the Soviet Union on their rotary phone in space because it's Russian technology. It's not the most advanced stuff. Bring, bring. There's a wire going all the way from the space station to the Kremlin. We just saw some angels up here. And they go, Nyet! Do not tell anyone else about these. <laughs> Hangs up the phone. That's a pretty good impression, right? You guys like that one? Another group of cosmonauts ended up coming up to the space station, and the Oleg and his buddies are like, hey, yeah, it's pretty cool. You can float around. You give people wedgies. It's hard to do a noogie in a space helmet, but we found a way. They have a little, <laughs> they have a little mechanical arm that does it, but there's also a bunch of angels. <laughs> Every so often, a bunch of angels will show up, and the cosmonauts are like, what? We weren't briefed on that. And then soon enough, with the new cosmonauts up there, there's this orange glow outside the space station. Angels show up. And NASA had intercepted this communication. They had their own phone line going right to the White House. NASA had intercepted this communication, and their thing was like, it must be some sort of mass hallucination. There must be some sort of oxygen deprivation going on in the space station. Something, because that's impossible. So NASA was looking into this, and then some NASA astronauts have also said they've seen some weird things up there. The story is extremely popular. I found it originally on Anom Alien. Anom Alien's a website I go to all the time. Um, I also, Mysterious Universe covered it. Ancient Aliens did a segment on it. So it's been covered a lot, and I normally don't cover stories that are that wide known. The reason why I'm covering it now, because it is an interesting story. Angels in Space, it does sound super cheesy. But the reason why I'm covering it is all these other sources have covered it. I tried to be more obscure. I was able to track down where this story came from. The earliest mention that I could find in print was a book from April 1st. <clears throat> April 1st, 1996, this book, that was when it was published. I don't think it was published on that date on purpose, but... There's a book called Moments with Angels, Spectacular Encounters with Heavenly, Heavenly Messengers. And you'll see the book in the show notes. Not the book itself, but the link to buy the book. And in this book contains this passage, quote, according to the Weekly World News, and then it tells the story that I just told you. If you don't know what Weekly World News is, half of you guys, I think I heard the face palm. If you don't know what Weekly World News is, imagine the, here's some other headlines from Weekly World News. Um, Idaho man stricken with potato feet. Um, they covered the Bat Boy, Bat Boy saga. Bat Boy was found in a cave. Bat Boy joined the military. I think Bat Boy ran for president at some point. I was Bigfoot's love slave. That's a famous weekly world news. It's fictional news. Fictional news. So it's made up. It's made up, dude. And this story's been going around for years. This is what's so funny about this. I heard about this story years ago. Ancient aliens, they had got all their experts together. They did reenactments. It would be the equivalent of ancient aliens doing an episode and they'd be like, and some people still believe that this school houses both witches and wizards to this very day. And then you have like some reenactment of some fourth-rate Harry Potter wannabe flying around and then you cut to a talking head and he's like, well, you know, magic and mysticism go long back into England's history. It's fake. It's so fake. I don't know if I'm frustrated or having a ball with this. Because I've heard this... I'm, I I cover a lot of obscure stories. I'm sure a good portion of you knew this story before I even talked about it. It's fake. It's 100% fake. 100% fake. And it took me 20 minutes to find... You know what the key was? was like on one of the articles, they had a photograph or like an illustration. I looked at it and I go, that looks like that was from the Weekly World News. 
I read the Weekly World News growing up. I thought it was hilarious. That's from the Weekly World News. So I did a reverse image search. It wasn't pulling up anything. So I had to do the typical thing where I just go back to find the farthest back reference to it. And I found that book. And it said, I did a little Google book search for the inside of the book. And it said, according to the week. No! Because, of course, you want it to be true, right? As cheesy as it is. First off, I'd be like, how come the Soviets get to see the angels and not the Americans? Because, come on, guys. Right? We don't have telephone wires going from Earth to the space station. But that aside, that ethnocentrism aside, the story's fake anyway. So I'm actually glad it was Soviet Union. It wasn't John Glenn or Neil Armstrong. It's in this Oleg dude. It's on his Wikipedia page. Like, it's like, he actually invented all of this. Like, he has all these patents for, like, these devices that allow open-heart surgeries to go by much easier. On his Wikipedia page, it says that he saw angels. (laughs) That's <laughs> ridiculous. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. But guys, really, Mysterious Universe, Anomalian, I, I get it. When you are you put out a ton of content, you're going to make mistakes. Mysterious Universe and Anomalian, I get a lot of stuff from them. A lot of their stuff is good. Neither of those articles had an author's byline on it. So I'm wondering if the author figured out, oh, wait a second, this isn't true, and then had their name removed. That's possible. The, the Anomalian article was... A couple points said, this does sound ridiculous, but they kept going with it. I get I get it. Both of those websites post stuff daily. I get you have to churn stuff out. I d- I've done stories that turned out not to be true as well, like Lone Pine Devils, uh, Civil War of the Worlds. I've done stuff that turned out not to be true, but I'll correct it when it's brought to my attention. But I'm not going to say, oh, Mysterious Universe, you suck. Anom Alien, you suck. When you're throwing 100 darts at a dartboard, you're going to miss from time to time. They might want to run corrections on it now. They don't have to pull the article down, but they can say, hey, we found this out. Ancient Aliens. Ancient Aliens has a dedicated team of writers and editors. I hope, I maybe I'm wrong, but they have a dedicated team of people that 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 that's that to me is more inexcusable. Mysterious Universe website, they have a couple writers. They're always looking for content. They put out a lot of good stuff. You're going to make mistakes from time to time. And Anom Alien, it's the same thing. You're just looking for content. You're going to get hoodwinked. But they're not these multi... I mean, come on, dude. By the time, at some point, when the guy playing Oleg, when the, when the do, guy doing the reenactment for the Russian cosmonaut, he should have been like, wait a second, this story sounds really, really dumb. But then again, Ancient Alien, the producer of Ancient Aliens may have turned to him and go, have you ever seen this show? It's all dumb. I always rag on Ancient Aliens, and just to back it up, you guys might be a huge fan of the show, and that's totally fine if you enjoy that show. It's totally fine. There is a YouTube video. I'll have to put it in the show notes. There's a YouTube video I refer to all the time. It's called Ancient Aliens Debunked. It's three hours long, but it has timestamps, so you can click to the stuff that you want, like Gobli, Tepki, or whatever you say, pyramids, like the Nazca lines. You click on what you want, and the guy has done his research, and he goes, this is what it really happened. In fact, and it was from a guy who he loved Ancient Aliens. It was his favorite show. He had a little pennant that said Ancient Aliens, and then one day he realized that they told him a lie. They said, yeah, we'll pick you up at 5. And he's out there, and it's raining, and it's 6.45, and there's still no car. He's like, ancient aliens! He realized they said something that wasn't true, and he started researching a lot of their claims and realized that wasn't true, so he made this three-hour-long YouTube video. Check it out. If you enjoy the show, whatever. Like, I'm not not a snob. I definitely think it's interesting, but this story... I don't believe it, but this story is 100% fake. It's from the Weekly World News, so... 
I feel bad for Oleg. I feel bad for Oleg. It's on his Wikipedia page. If one of you guys wants to go change it, I'm sure he would appreciate it. His ghost or if he's still alive. But while you are changing Wikipedia, we're going to take this rocket back down to Earth. We're going to sneak in, though, because the Earth still wants to beat us up. We're going to come around to Australia. We're going to fly nice and low. We're actually taking the long way around the world, because apparently that's how that works. Now, this story, I never, ever heard of the story. And you guys know I always like to give credit where credit's due. Or bash on people when they get something horribly wrong. This is from a Reddit user called Trail Went Cold. Trail Went Cold is actually also the name of this user's podcast. It's a true crime podcast called Trail Went Cold. I haven't listened to the podcast, but this is a really good write-up. Wanted to give them credit for this. Caleb, let's hop out of the rabbit rocket. We are taking off in the Carpenter Copter. We're again flying nice and low over the ocean. The Earth is still looking for us. We're flying low over the ocean. We're headed to College Point, New York. It's June 11th, 1930. And we're flying, we're flying to a lover's point. Isn't that what they call it? Like Lookout Hill or Lover's Point or Makeout Mountain or whatever. You know where people, Lover's Lane. That's what I was looking for. It's the place where you go to like make out and stuff, kiss people. Because you can't do that at home. Well, they couldn't. <laughs> this group of people couldn't. Joseph Mozinski, he's 39 years old. He owned a grocery store. And he's married... But she's not in the car with him at Lover's Lane. No, instead we have Catherine May, a 19-year-old girl. He's been having an affair with her. So the sun has set. The earth is asleep. We're able to evade detection. The moon is high. They're just sitting there in the dark. Because I don't think they had car radios back then, right? I think you still had to have the giant piece of wood, wooden radio, in your living room. So they're just sitting in a car, having to talk to each other. They're not even talking to each other. They're in the back seat. They're making out. And then outside the car... It's not a guy sandpapering some wood down. It's a stranger walking up alongside the car. And he knocks on the car door. And Joseph jumps up, totally scared. This wasn't supposed to happen. He was just supposed to be making out with his 19-year-old lover. Instead, there's a guy standing there. And he tells Joe, get in the front seat. But in a German accent. I can't do a German accent. In a German accent, he tells Joseph to get in the front seat. Joseph gets in the front seat. Catherine stays in the back. Joseph is waiting for the next command. Pop! Two bullets enter his head. He falls. Now, Catherine's in the back seat. She's completely panicking. But before she can even take in that her lover had been shot, the back door opens up. The man climbs into the back seat and rapes Catherine. After he's done, he orders her out of the car and says, I will take you to the bus stop. So they walk to the bus stop. They get on the bus together. So now they're just, the bus is driving through New York. A murderer, a rapist sitting next to a young woman driving through the city streets. Eventually they get to the bus station and the man gives her an envelope and says, do not read this until tomorrow. She gets on another bus like they took him to a bus terminal, a main bus terminal. She had to take another bus home. And once they separate, she opens up the letter and it says, Joseph Moisinski, 3X, 3X097. Now while she's riding the bus... She remembers something. Catherine remembers remember something because she just looked over at her notes. Like I just did and I forgot this detail. When she had a flashback, when she was on the bus, she looks over and she sees the man, the stranger, go through Joseph's pockets after he killed him. He pulls some pieces of paper out of Joseph's pocket. He's kind of looking at him. He's kind of like, uh. Then he crumbles him up, sets him on fire, throws him on the ground. And then we come back to the present day. Now, so now she's all alone. The dude dropped her off at the bus station and just walked away. 
and she's taking a bus home. She doesn't go to the police. She doesn't go to the police because she's honestly, and this is the way sometimes people act. Yeah, she just saw a murder and she was just a victim of a horrible crime herself, but she didn't want her parents to know she was with a married man. She figured, well, if I go to the cops, that will come out, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But that's not really how crime works, right? You don't always need the testimony of someone, because what happens is the next day, people are up at Lover's Lane, and they see a car parked, and they're like, whoa, he's here early, and his brains are all over the car, and they're like, ugh. So they call the cops, the cops go out there, and they're checking in on him. It doesn't take long for the cops to trace him back to Catherine May. So they they pull her in for questioning, and they're like, what happened? She starts telling the story, she t- shows him the note, and they don't believe her. At the very most, they think she might have set him up, and this note is supposed to misdirect him from the crime. But they don't believe her. They don't believe her story at all. It does seem very far-fetched. Now, they hold her for a long period of time. They're constantly interrogating her, trying to get her to break. But while they're interrogating her across town, the New York Evening Journal, it's a local newspaper, they get a letter. And the letter starts off with this quote, Kindly print this letter in your paper for Moisinski's friends. Then there's a bunch of coded letters and numbers. It goes on by saying, quote, By doing this, you may save their lives. And the women may know where the missing papers are and who has them since they were given to Moisinski. We do not want any more shootings unless we have to. Signed, 3X, the man behind the gun. The letter was actually postmarked before the body was found. So the police know that the letter, whoever wrote the letter, knew about it. But it doesn't totally absolve Catherine, right? Because this could just be part of her scheme to kill somebody. And get away with it. So they're still questioning her. The New York Evening Journal does not publish the letter though. So they get another letter. And the other letter explains, listen, Catherine May had nothing to do with this. Which would actually make the police more suspicious. Because why is this guy saying, oh yeah, I killed and I may kill again. But she's innocent. Again, I think the cops are still thinking Catherine May has something to do with this. But the second letter says, listen, she had nothing to do with it. Not only did she have nothing to do with it. Joseph Moisinski was super gross. He was banging six other women and two teenage girls, a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old. He goes, Catherine May's innocent, and this dude is no saint to begin with, so quit trying to act like he's some victim. He is a victim, a murder victim, but he basically deserved it. It's kind of what uh, 3X is saying. And he now he's making his case. He actually has, in this second letter, he goes into really what's going on here. He says, quote, I am an agent of a secret international order, and when I met Moisinski that night, It was to get from him certain documents, but unfortunately they were not in his possession at the time. And then he goes on to have like this coded message. And he's saying, if anyone knows where these documents are, we're going to need them. And then eventually the note ends with, quote, these papers must be returned to us at once or 14 of Moisinski's friends will join him. Moisinski's relatives and friends have up to Monday, 12 p.m., to bring these documents to us or to have someone get in touch with us and tell them where to find them. If no answer is received by that time, we will start merry hell for all of them. And then he has his normal signature, 3X, the man behind the gun, and then there's an inverted V and a regular V. All that stuff happened within a five-day period, because by the time June 16th, 1930th rolls around, we have Noel, Noel, N-O-E-L, Noel, Noel Sowley, 26-year-old radio mechanic, and his girl, his main squeeze, Betty Ring, 18 years old, They're in a Floral Park neighborhood in New York. They're making out. It's big news about this guy getting killed because you're getting letters written to the newspaper. 
everyone, it's super intriguing, it's sexy, they don't know about the rape, it's not reported in the newspaper, but, like, ooh, who's this man behind the gun, who's this mystery man, so Noel and Betty must have known about this, but what are you gonna do, you're gonna go to Lover's Lane, footprints up alongside the car, guy pulls out a gun, 3X, as he'll be named from now on, pulls a gun out, points it at Noel, and asks him for his driver's license, so Noel pulls out his driver's license, and at that point, 3X is looking at the driver's license, Puts it down and pulls a flashlight out and kind of clicks it, shining the light off into the tree line. And then he turns back to Noel and he goes, I'm letting my friends know I can do this one alone. Odd detail. 3X asks Noel, do you know who John Moisinski is? And Noel says no. And before he can continue to deny that he knows this guy, 3X shoots him in the mouth. Noel says, pleads with him, I'm not the man you're looking for. 3X shoots him again, killing him. He begins going through Noel's pockets, just like before, and he pulls out a piece of paper, and he looks at it, and he goes, I have it! Puts it in his own pocket, and then sees Betty sitting on the other side of the car. He begins to walk around the car, and he approaches Betty. Now, the rape was not reported. Betty doesn't know what may happen, but she probably didn't have to read in the newspaper to gather the intent of this guy. Plus, he just murdered someone. I think she kind of knew what was coming, as he's getting closer to her, she actually has on this religious necklace and she kind of holds it up, almost like warding off a vampire. And 3X changes his mind, leaves her alone, but does escort her to a local bus stop and they both take a bus to the bus station and they go their separate ways. He does give her a letter as well. And on the letter it says, Sowley, 3X. Again, a total targeted kill. He just pulls out the letter and hands it to her. She goes directly to the police. She goes directly to the police. And the police are looking at all this stuff, and they're like, there's no way that a 39-year-old grocery owner and a 26-year-old radio mechanic are part of some sort of international intrigue, spy ring. This is super ridiculous. Like, this guy is either picking people at random, and then is some sort of magician, he can just pull stuff out of his pocket that has someone's name on it, or these are targeted killings, like mob hits. And this is a cover story. At this point, they've let Catherine May go. But they're like, there has to be something else going on here. When they go to the crime scene and they find Noel, the police go through his pockets, and they find an article about Joseph's murder. On that article, the name Moisinski is stamped on it. And in the margin, someone wrote, here's how. The police are looking at each other and they're like, are you serious? So these guys did know each other somehow. Enough that what it looked like was, some, and this is just supposition, that Somebody sent Noel a news article warning him, which is interesting to think of because then what Noel's like, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to go to Lover's Lane anyways. I don't care. No one's going to keep me from smooching my sweet thing. Someone sent you an article about someone getting shot playing a pickup game of basketball. <laughs> I, would just, I would just suggest not to play basketball for a while. But anyways, he went to Lover's Lane. He was killed as well. Evening Journal gets another letter, and it basically says... 3X is starting to detail. It's a lot of coded messages. Like, all these people have different coded words and numbers. But it's basically saying, hey, thanks for publishing my paper. One of these people came forward and gave me some of the paperwork I'm looking for. And I got $37,000 in money that had been blackmailed from people. And I'm going to keep doing this stuff. And it looks like we're getting this all taken care of. And then on June 21st, they got one more letter. Evening Journal got one more letter. It said, quote, The last document, NJ4344, returned to us on the 19th at 9 p.m. My mission is ended. There is no further cause for worry. And then 
in a theatrical gesture, decides to let everyone know exactly what was going on. He goes on to explain that he does indeed work for a secret international order. This time he names it. It's called the Red Diamond of Russia. And he said part of his signature with the inverted V and the regular V, he goes, those were symbols in and of themselves. The inverted V symbolized the supreme tribunal of the order. And then the regular V was the secret agent. You put them together, it forms the form of a diamond. They didn't have emojis back there. This is about as complicated as you could get. Upside down V, regular V. He says that Joseph and Noel both were members of the Red Diamond. Not just affiliated, not just owing them money or stumbled across them and this was their way to keep them quiet. They were actually members of the Red Diamond of Russia. And they committed treason against the group. They'd actually sold top secret documents and were blackmailing people with them. And they started their own little ring. It was them two and 14 other people who were blackmailing people with this information. And so they had drawn lots, and 3X had gotten the winning lot to go to America and retrieve these documents. He says, my job's done, though. My job's completely done. Any other letters signed 3X are fake. I'm going back home. I'm done. And it was true. They actually did get letters after that. But the police in the Evening Journal were like, no, these aren't from the original 3X. No one was ever caught. And the police have always still been scratching their heads over how real this story is. Because, I mean, first off, they interviewed the families. The families are like, no, they they had no ties to any sort of international crime ring or spy ring or nothing. That doesn't make any sense. I can understand a 39-year-old grocery store owner, maybe at some time in his past, had got involved in something and then retired and tried, you know, doing something else and maybe took some documents with him for his extra payday. When, by the time you're 39, you've usually lived a pretty full life. You've pretty lived a pretty diverse life. Uh, 26, at 26, so that'd be really hard to pull off. To join, to find, join, and then leave a spy organization within a short amount of time. Like the FBI, the CIA, they don't, I mean, other than a specialized agent, they really don't even want to talk to you until you're out of college. They want you to get a lot of life learning under your belt. It's not like they're scouting out high schools. Now, of course, CIA, FBI agents, do they have underage agents? Absolutely. The FBI, actually, now that I say that, they may not. But I'm sure the CIA has had agents that were 14, 15 years old. I would be shocked if they didn't have those. But FBI, I think because FBI seems more investigative stuff. CIA does a lot of more undercover stuff. Um, so you would need someone who was 14 years old sometimes, or maybe they can just get an adult. It's not like Doogie Hauser's working for the CIA or Webster. Let's go on an adventure, but first, click, clack. My gun ready, just in case we run into any weirdos. It would be weird that, and it's also like, if they were in the Red Diamond in Russia, that they had come up with this plan together, they just, the age and the skill level difference, you know, grocery store owner versus a radio mechanic, they just seem so vast. So the police have always been kind of scratching their heads. And they go, on one hand, it could have just been this guy wanted to murder these two people and created this elaborate backstory. It could have been highly targeted killings. And this was the backstory the guy went with. Maybe it was a thrill killer. Is this really any different than the Zodiac? This is basically just the Zodiac killings with extra steps, right? This is having that, writing the coded messages, but this guy's built up his own mythology, his own world behind it. Zodiac wasn't popping out letters with people's names on it. So that that's a different thing. but. The idea of writing the letters and building up the myth behind the man. Otherwise, it's just two people who got shot at Lover's Lane. But it could actually be that the Red Diamond of Russia is a real organization. And I say is and not was, because if a group like this existed, I would imagine they're still around today. 
I would imagine they're still around today. So I think it's a pretty clear thing. If you're working for a secret organization that has no problem sending killers out to take care of business, don't steal from them or try to <laughs> try to blackmail them or any of that stuff. First off, I wouldn't get involved with them in the first place. But secondly, if you decided to, when there is an opt-out clause, take it and don't walk out with a filing cabinet. Just be like, see you guys later. I will go now work at my grocery store. I will blackmail none of you. Bye, guys. And so, and that's the conspiracy story. But also, I think it's interesting on a meta level, just as a story level. And so, I want to take a, a note here real quick to explain this part of the thing. So, because other people have probably heard of this story and, or you could, you know, follow the show notes. If you read the articles of the time, it never mentions the rape. It never mentions the rape of Catherine at all. I only saw it in the Reddit post by Trail Went Cold. And I was doing my research and I was looking at this and I go, that's weird because it's only in this one Reddit post. So I actually messaged Trail Went Cold. Because this is how you do research, ancient aliens. This is how you do this, okay? When you come across things that seem off, you have to track down the source. I go, I go, I, I need some clarification on the on the rape issue. I'm not seeing that anywhere else. And Trail Went Cold said the detail was so scandalous that the newspapers didn't report it. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then I verified that as well. I found a book from the 1940s written about this case. And it also said that she, you know, enough time had passed they'd said that Catherine had been raped. So it's an interesting side note. And it also tinges the story a bit. Because as we get more into the story, you're going to be like, that's it. Like, this guy seems quite noble. He seems like he might act, oh yeah, but he raped a woman. Like, it's really weird. If you read the story without the rape, it actually has a more of a, a, a like a a noble revenge type of thing a man on a mission type of thing but the rape really tinges it it's really weird i mean i'm not saying that the, the killing's okay but it's just a weird detail and i think that part of the mystique i think at the time even the mystique that this killer builds up wouldn't have been so endearing if it was if that detail was uh, readily available so is the Red Diamond of Russia still in operation? Are they still out there just minding their own business until someone crosses their path? Or is it a group that has more lofty goals? I always say a lot of times people claim the Illuminati is running the world or this ethnic group is running the world or this political party is running the world or whatever boogeyman you have. I always think the more realistic thing is you have thousands of small groups constantly vying for control. And there's allegiances and betrayals and things like that. And these groups are constantly trying to take over from other groups and eventually conquer the world themselves. But no one's even come close yet. I think that's far more realistic and honestly far more frightening. Because when you have a thousand groups fighting for control, that's just unmitigated chaos. It's kind of what it always feels like. But when things feel crazy today, things have always felt crazy. There's always been these groups fighting for control. So if the Red Diamond of Russia still exists, they mo- and they most likely do, they're still out there making moves. They're still out there sending agents. And again, if you work for one of these groups, the last thing you want to do is piss them off. Because not only can they take you out, because that's kind of what they're known for, they can do it in a way that you will never find justice. Your killer will never be caught. If this guy wasn't sending letters, it would just be two random murders and a rape on a police blotter. No one would have thought twice about it. But the Red Diamond of Russia wanted to send a message. You try to blackmail us, 
we will do whatever it takes to silence you. And that message was heard. And it's still being heard 70 years later. People are still talking about this story. Whether or not the group ever existed or whether or not it exists today, it's definitely become a legend in the true crime community. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.